is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. A long-awaited report found that Boris Johnson, Britain's former Prime Minister, lied to Parliament deliberately and repeatedly. A cross-party group of MPs examined Mr Johnson's testimony about parties held at Downing Street during the pandemic. It concluded that he had demonstrated serious contempt, for which there was no precedent. The report would have recommended a suspension from Parliament for 90 days had Mr Johnson not resigned last week after receiving an advanced copy. He claimed to be the victim of a political hit job. The European Central Bank raised interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point to a benchmark of 3.5%, the highest level in 22 years. The announcement contrasts with the America's Federal Reserve decision to pause tightening on Wednesday. Eurozone inflation, at 6.1% in May, is now above America's and will remain too high for too long, warned the ECB. Russia announced that it would hold elections in September in occupied areas of Ukraine, which it considers the new subjects of the Russian Federation. Ukraine, meanwhile, claimed partial success in its counteroffensive against Russian forces in Zaporizhia, one of the contested regions. Ukraine's top general said his troops had recaptured about 100 square kilometres, 40 square miles of land. America's Supreme Court upheld the Indian Child Welfare Act, a law passed in 1978 that impels states to prioritise placing native adopted children in native homes, in part to protect cultural traditions. In a 7-2 decision, the majority of justices disagreed with the plaintiff's argument that the law amounted to congressional overreach and racial discrimination. Greece declared three days of national mourning after a migrant boat sank off its southern coast, killing at least 79 people in the deadliest shipwreck of its kind so far this year. Rescuers saved more than 100 people from the water, though their efforts were hampered by strong winds. The boat was reportedly carrying 400 people from Libya to Italy. Australia's government rushed through legislation to stop Russia from building a new embassy next to the parliament in Canberra, citing national security concerns. Australia's Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, said security agencies gave him, quote, clear warning of the risk posed by its proximity. In May, a federal court overturned an official decision last year to terminate Russia's lease, which it has held since 2008. China's central bank lowered an important medium-term lending rate for the first time in 10 months. The People's Bank of China also said it was offering $33 billion to banks to safeguard liquidity. Earlier this week, the bank cut a short-term lending rate. The measures are a response to China's flailing economic recovery after the pandemic. Property data released on Thursday revealed more weaknesses. And figure of the day, $2.1 trillion. The American government's revenue shortfall in the year to May, equivalent to 8.1% of GDP. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 
The Bank of Japan Sticks to Ultra-Loose Policy Since Ueda Kazuo took over as the Bank of Japan's governor in April, he has bolstered his reputation as a man of restraint. Speculation has been rife that the bank might exit from its ultra-loose monetary policy, but Mr. Ueda insists it will patiently maintain its approach, which was designed to haul the country out of decades of deflation. When the bank concludes a two-day meeting on Friday, Mr. Ueda will probably continue policies including yield curve control, which caps 10-year government bond yields. Now, inflation is back. Prices, excluding fresh food and fuel, rose by 4.1% in April from a year earlier, the biggest increase in four decades. Some analysts suggest this heralds the beginning of a virtuous cycle, which will lift wages and consumer spending. But the evidence, so far, is thin. Wages have risen by just 1% over the past year, meaning workers are enduring pay cuts in real terms. Britain's Sky-High Food Prices Tesco, Britain's biggest supermarket, will publish a quarterly trading statement on Friday. The update for investors comes amid pressure from politicians to tackle Britain's cost-of-living crisis. According to the Office for National Statistics, Hard-pressed consumers now fret more about rising food prices than they do about the cost of energy. The ONS estimates that food is dearer by about a fifth than it was a year ago, the second-highest jump in more than 45 years. The conservative government has suggested an agreement with leading supermarkets to cap prices for some basic items, such as milk and bread. The British Retail Consortium a trade body, says the plan will not work. It blames the higher costs that retailers are incurring for energy and labor. Tesco's profits will be closely scrutinized for any sign that these inflated costs, rather than higher margins, are pinching customers' wallets. SCOTUS season heats up. America's Supreme Court justices have just two weeks to release 20 decisions in cases heard between October and April. The most important of the three rulings handed down on Thursday was Holland v. Brackeen, a 7-2 decision rebuffing an attempt to hobble the Indian Child Welfare Act. This law, enacted in 1978, protects Native American children from being removed from their families and tribes. Only Justices Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas agreed with plaintiffs' claims that the law amounted to congressional overreach. More decisions are expected to arrive on Friday. Does the First Amendment give a Christian web designer the right to refuse to make websites for gay weddings, a state anti-discrimination law notwithstanding? Can President Joe Biden proceed with his plan to relieve millions of borrowers of a portion of their student debt. How generously must employers accommodate workers' religious beliefs? Is race-based affirmative action in university admissions compatible with the Constitution? Stay tuned. Can Basball win England the Ashes? The Ashes, 
a biennial cricket series between Australia and England, is steeped in tradition. But this year's edition, which starts on Friday at the Eggbaston ground in Birmingham, will feature something radical. Over the past year, England has revolutionized test cricket by injecting pace into a very slow game. English batsmen have been scoring at five runs and over when the norm is closer to three. This hyper-aggressive style, nicknamed Bazball, after Brendan McCullum, the team's coach, has borne fruit. England have won 11 of their past 13 tests, a form of cricket match that lasts five days, many in record-breaking manner. The matches against Australia will be Bazball's toughest test yet. The Aussies won Test Cricket's World Championship last week. Still, England could yet lay claim to being the world's best team. According to our own Test Cricket rankings, if they were to win three tests in the five-match series, then they would leapfrog Australia and India into top spot. Wes Anderson's Asteroid City The robin's egg blue skies and sandy stretches of desert in Asteroid City evoke a Kodachrome postcard. This charming film is the latest marvel of design from Wes Anderson, an American director who delights fans with his pastel palettes and deadpan characters. In this movie, Mr. Anderson lovingly and comically sketches a morning family's adventures during a science convention for child prodigies, set in a fly-speck town in the mid-century American West. Mr. Anderson's meticulously crafted world has a crucial quality that a lot of studio output lacks, personality. That extends to the cast. Scarlett Johansson plays a droll film starlet whose daughter is among the prodigies. Jeffrey Wright is a military general who emcees the convention. Asteroid City feels nostalgic for a bygone Hollywood era of top-notch production values and casts. Mr. Anderson's distinctive aesthetic has inspired parodies, but the gently bittersweet heart of this film suggests that there is more than meets the eye in his elaborate concoctions. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Friday What name was given to the Maluku or Maluka Islands by colonial powers because of the valuable commodities grown there? Thursday Which breed, known for its distinctive stance, is known as a bird dog in the southern U.S.? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners chosen at random were Hasit Raja, Nairobi, Kenya, Nicola Senadesi, Treviso, Italy, Brenda Eaton, Victoria, Canada. They all gave the correct answers of Ayatollahs, Adams, Odds, Smoke. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. 
finally, here's the quote of the day from Joyce Carol Oates. I never change. I simply become more myself. That's the world in brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.